Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. From today's gospel, a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar appointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Now the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, and he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. My hometown of Louisville, Kentucky, was in the news a lot this past week. With the passing of boxing champion and cultural icon Muhammad Ali, the city, especially as he was laid to rest in the same cemetery where my own father and grandparents and great-grandparents also rest, the city was certainly in the international spotlight. Now for my family, we are now proud Mississippians. We are thrilled to make our home among the clay and magnolia blossoms of this great state. But my heart was glad to see a piece of my past comport herself with civil dexterity and gracious hospitality on this momentous occasion. Muhammad Ali is a controversial figure. While he certainly was a tremendous boxer and perhaps an even better talker, I and many others disagreed with some of the decisions he made and the positions he took. But he is to Louisville as the Mannings are to Mississippi. And his good and charitable works, especially later in life, were tremendous and most definitely laudable. So that city gathered last Friday alongside the world to mark his passing. And as I read about the service and of the memorials and and, uh, remembrances of him, I was sad to read the remarks of one local radio host who said that it was nice to feel the spirit of harmony within the community as the cortege winded through the city and the service was held downtown. But he went on to express his certainty that the city would return to normal soon enough. And he defined normal in this way. Intolerance, bigotry, violence, and enmity.
Normal is the homicides that continue to plague our city streets. Normal is the bitterness exemplified by our current political climate. Normal is the defensiveness, the hatred, the misery. Normal is Orlando. Normal will just get right back to it, that radio personality said. And when I read those remarks, I was very sad. And I also thought about today's gospel. Jesus is eating in a Pharisee's home. And into this high-ranking person come, into his home comes a woman, a sinner. And the scripture does not specify her sin. We can only imagine what it might be. And this must have been a very curious scene, a very well-to-do community leader hosting a renowned teacher in his home, and in walks in this unwanted distraction and uninvited guest. And this woman, this sinner, takes ointment and begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. And this anointing was not only an act of worship and kindness, but also a foreshadowing of Jesus' death, for it was a Hebrew tradition to anoint the body before burial. But the Pharisee, instead of offering some hospitality to this unconventional guest, or at least ushering her out quietly to preserve her dignity, says, as the scripture says, to himself, but obviously loud enough for everyone else to hear him, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, and that she is a sinner. Yes, she was a sinner. A sinner in our best scandalized tone. Had she suffered an appropriate consequence for her sin, or did she get away with it? We don't know. Was she still sinning? Or had she sinned only once, long ago? We don't know that either. We do know that the nature of her sin was grievous on her heart, for she wept bitterly at Jesus' feet. But that's all we really do know. All of us have sinned, and all of us know a sinner, perhaps more than one. And all of us have darkness in our past that bring us shame and grief. And all of us, certainly myself included, have pointed to another and named them in so many words, a sinner. And these two practices are inexorably linked, for the more we fear our own sins, the quicker we are to point out someone else's sins. But the good news is that we need not be ensnared by our sins or anyone else's sins. For when we give that sin, our own sin or other sins, up back to God, and we repent and we return to the Lord, then all of that worry and doubt and fear is washed away. You may not know this, but the Episcopal Church offers personal confession 
in the same manner as the Roman tradition, although we don't offer it as often and we don't have those nifty booths. <laughs> but turn to page 379 in your book of common prayer, not now, <laughs> maybe later in your free time. And there on that page you will find the reconciliation of a penitent. And in that service is one of my favorite moments in the entire prayer book. For after the penitent confesses their sins, the priest has the honor and privilege to respond. Now there is rejoicing in heaven. For you were lost and you are found. You were dead and now alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go in peace. The Lord has put away all your sins. If you are interested in confession, all you have to do is make an appointment with Will or me. And when we stop worrying about our sins, when we stop worrying about the sins of others, when we release ourselves from the burden of those sins, then something amazing happens. When we embrace one of the foundational facts of the universe that we were all made in the image of God and that God said that we were good and saw that we are good for we are good. That nothing less than the kingdom of God begins to bloom in our very midst. This is the reality, the joyous, wonderful, spectacular reality of the grace of God that we celebrate in a few moments at that sacred font with Catherine Elise and Kennedy Ruth. And this is the reality that all of us, as the community of the baptized, should live into every single day as we go out into the broken world. Mr. Henry Pickens, a jazz pianist, read that same radio host's remarks about normality, and he had a better reaction than I. He said, I don't agree that we have to return to a normal that tolerates intolerance, embraces separation over unity, that seeks always to protect rather than connect. For while it may not always be manifest, expressed, and actualized, the potential for the expression of the very best of our natures is always present. Until we go to glory, sin will be with us. And our sins and the sins of others will have consequences. But in a world and in an age that is so divided, so contentious, so tragically violent, so bitterly fearful. Perhaps we should worry a little less about our sins and the sins of others and instead refocus those energies on embracing our brothers and sisters and bridging the gaps between us. For when we do that most sacred work, we are doing the work of Christ. Amen. Amen.